This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Please note that any comments, jokes, questions, maybe... Anything that we say on the History of Bad Ideas is all in good fun, and remember, we insult everybody. Our thoughts, opinions, questions, anything else, actions that we do on the show do not reflect any of our employers, organizations, advertisers, or anyone else that is associated with the History of Bad Ideas. And remember, at the end of the day, it's just a joke. Welcome to the History of Bad Ideas, episode number 240. I'm Jason. I'm Jeff. I'm Blake. And we're not in the Bob Studios. Well, I am, but no one else is. Uh, we have a special uh, episode this week. Uh, it's a regular episode, but uh, News of the Geek, we have comic book creator uh, Greg Wright, who did uh, Monstrous, and uh, Wild Bullet, and Halston, and Lot- Last Monsters uh, Standing. Uh, comic books uh, from Source Point Press. Uh, he's going to be joining award us. award-winning monstrous. Remember that. My bad, Jeff. Floppy award-winning. And I think he might win it again this year. I think he's doing a book on a comic book about zombies on a Titanic. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, that's awesome that we can get uh, some Hobie Floppy award winners on the show, even if they won their award two years ago, and it takes Jason that amount of time to get their ass on here. Now, to my to my uh, discretion here, no, nah, I have nothing. Never mind. Fuck it. <laughs> Blame the intern. You always do. Yes, uh, we do have a new intern this week. We'll get to that in a second. But like I said, we're the booking agent. That's right. We will all be back in the studios next week. But this week we wanted to talk to Greg. So that's why we have him. All, uh, we're doing it by Skype and just because Blake's lazy and doesn't want to drive 40 minutes. I don't play yeah. him. So, Blake, do you, are you comfortable in the your own home right now? I am sitting on my own couch and enjoying it immensely. Are you wearing pants? Uh, I'm wearing pajama bottoms. Close enough. Thanks. Do you have a shirt on at least? Yes, I do. Oh, thank God. What would you like me to wear, Jason? I don't know. I I didn't want to flip to the camera here, the camera (laughs) option on Skype. (laughs) Leave it off. (laughs) For Uh, the love of God. (laughs) 
Uh, yes. So, uh, like I said, we'll be back in series next week, but we're going to try something out here with Skype. Uh, do you guys have now, any? Now, yeah, sorry. I was going to say, I, I want to throw a disclaimer out there for people that are listening to the show this week. As I've learned as a guest on 40, going on 14, when everybody is Skyping in, it's hard to jump in and comment because you're not getting any of the nonverbal feedback. And so everybody ends up cutting everybody off near the end. <laughs> well, you usually ignore me, so I'm figuring that you're not even going yeah, to. Or, or, yeah, or, or it ends up with awkward pauses. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a lot of dates I went on. Yeah. I, I suppose we could turn our cameras on so we can watch each other. No. You can get your, your nonverbal cues that way. Oh. oh, you don't see me flipping you off. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't want to see me, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you guys have any up downs this week? Uh, my down is Skype. Yes, we can just say Skype, and that that pretty much uh, clarifies it. Fucking Skype. Yeah, we've had some technical difficulties with Skype, but we're working now. Us three got together and have figured it out. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. True. Uh, yes. Our, our guest was supposed to be on full episode. episode. But uh, Skype decided it didn't want him on. I blame the Russians. I blame Microsoft. And the Chinese independent comic book press. <laughs> uh, Blake, what's your down this week? Or Trudeau. He's probably, you know, it probably has to do with those tariffs. Hey, leave Trudeau alone. I, I don't know. He, Our guest is out of the... Uh, province of michigan so trudeau might not want us crossing borders like that correct <laughs> well blake what's your downs this week that <laughs> okay <laughs> tariffs i don't think we've ever had downs as tariffs <laughs> i like it i like it okay. a lot good uh my down this week is ghostbusters uh i finally saw the female remake and um and you regret every minute of it. Jeff, you saw it, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> it was not good. I had low expectations, and I seriously was even lower than that. It was not good. Um, I think, um, what did I say? Hemsworth was funny in it, and Kate McKinnon was funny. And that was about it. I felt like nobody was trying in it at I all. I think Leslie Jones did okay too. Okay, she had some funny I mean, parts. She she's pretty much playing a character she plays on pretty much most of the stuff she does. Mm-hmm. But I honestly thought her character worked the best out of all of them. Uh, and I I thought it wasn't even. Maybe I shouldn't say they weren't trying because I, I don't I don't think the uh, actors and actresses had any had much help in it because I thought the script was awful. Oh, um, the script was bad. Oh, they were trying. The problem was, I think they were trying too hard. Maybe that was it. I mean, whatever Kristen Wiig, she was overdoing everything. Mm-hmm. And Bill Murray's uh, cameo. Why? That was awful. So no. they could get Bill Murray in it. That's why. You know, it would be a better way to use Bill Murray. Have him, have him as a former Ghostbuster. No, 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 no. This is a reboot. Those Ghostbusters didn't exist in this world. Fuck that. God dang it. 
I seriously, like, I really wanted to, like, give it, like, at least an average rating. It just was awful. And I think a lot of it, I blame the script. I really think the script was just bad. And, Jeff, did you have any problem with the ghost, the CGI ghost? I I don't think that specifically jumped out at me as something. I just thought the, the yeah, the, the movie, the, the script and the plot line of it was so bad I didn't even care enough by the time the ghost showed up to care yeah i and the big uh i thought it was kind of humorous like uh when they were at the concert and the big green one landed on leslie uh uh what's her name leslie jones jones yeah yeah i thought that was kind of humorous like i'm just going to leave like there was some humorous part, but i just didn't think the i didn't think the ghost looked good that was my issue with it i actually thought they looked better in the original ghostbusters than this well maybe not the dogs in the original ghostbusters those looked really really bad uh the dogs of gold or whatever it is oh oh yeah the uh gatekeeper and the key master yeah they yeah. they looked rough if you've watched them again so that was my down i spent more time on ghostbusters than the uh writers did um yeah but uh here's a good question uh, well there's a good i haven't seen the movie yet and i haven't put any effort into it so nope. i don't know if i should be proud of that fact or if uh it's not something to brag about because i should keep an open mind and try to watch it uh, normally, I say keep an open mind, but there's enough feedback from people who you probably might trust their opinions on movies <laughs> that say it's not worth your time. All right, then I'll I'll I'll, I'll like uh, put that on the list as I will Infinity Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, see, my, I told you he wouldn't see it. Uh, seriously, Blake, go see it. I'm, I'm going to get around to it. I no, promise. you're not. I promise. I have some time this weekend. It might work. <laughs> and like, I'm going to catch up on Legion. Let's all stop with the lies here, okay? Come on. Well, you're missing out. I want to see Legion. I just haven't had a chance. I still have it on my uh, DVR that I want to see in the next week or so. You still have yet to see it? I got on my DVR. <sighs> and Jeff, I, I, I think we have to see Justice League. It's getting to the point that we have to just make a date. I, I was doing nothing this weekend, so I flipped on HBO, and I was so tempted to watch Justice League. But we made an agreement to watch it together. I know. So I held off. Like I said, I saw 10 minutes of it on HBO the one time, and... I, I was like, I can't fit. I can't watch the rest of it. I can't. Um, luckily, I think it was the uh, scenes that they showed in the trailer when Batman goes to uh, meet the Flash. That was about it. Um, so I, we all saw that part already. But I heard that was the best part of the movie. I actually liked the Flash in it. The five, the five, ten minutes I saw. I thought he was enjoyable. Was he really quick? <laughs> ah, it was a quick ten minutes. Ah. <laughs> uh, my up this week is reasons are several. Uh, the podcast um, yes. that Heno sometimes – or not Heno, I'm sorry, uh, Neil, Neil. Uh, from Dark Angels Pretty Feet uh, go, goes on. Uh, they sent us uh, – he sent us uh, two T-shirts uh, for a charity basket for the Bowling for the Brave. Uh, Blake, so, uh, when is the Bowling for the Brave? Uh, bowling for the Brave is August 18th, Saturday, noon to 5, the Coleraine Bowl. But you don't have to be there to participate. And it's going to be a full house because uh, any it's a charity for the uh, veterans. Uh, it's all local veterans, correct, Blake? 
Yeah, that's correct. Uh, what we do is we we pick a nominee. Anybody can uh, put a nomination in for a uh, veteran that has been uh, important to them uh, in their life. And what we do is we take these nominations and we pick one of these veterans and we honor them as a surprise at this Coleraine Bowl. In addition to them being honored as uh, our uh, hometown hero, they also get to go to the Cincinnati Reds game and get to stand on top of the dugout and get their red, you know, name red and uh, their background and everybody cheers you on. But uh, another good aspect of this charity is the fact that we also use it as an opportunity to raise funds to help local veterans here in Southwest Ohio in Cincinnati. And what we do is we pick a local charity that is specifically geared towards helping uh, veterans, whether they be um, homeless, jobless, uh, PTSD, suffering, or, uh, you know, uh, chemical addictions. And so we raise money on that day and all the proceeds, essentially, basically 99.99% of the dollars we get is uh, goes completely to the fundraiser donation, you know, fundraising that's you know gets donated to uh, another charity cause that's here. So when you are donating here in Cincinnati, you know the money is actually staying here. It's not like you know going to some headquarters in D.C. or something like that. And you can go to www.bowling4, as in the number four, thebrave.org, and you can donate through our uh, donation button there, whether it be five, ten, fifteen, or twenty-five dollars. But as you had mentioned earlier, uh, in regards to the uh, the reasons are you know several. Haha. <laughs> yeah, the reasons are uh, many of our podcasting brethren have donated prizes in which we uh, take those and we raffle ticket those off as part of our fundraisers during the day. So it's very nice that uh, we've had uh, a lot of uh, independent podcasting brethren and those associated with uh, podcasting and, and independent presses and authors. Uh, actually sending in collector's items and donating items that we can uh, then use to generate ticket sales for the raffles, which all go to the charity. Yeah, and uh, I was actually making a list uh, of everything that everybody that's donated. And uh, like I said, it's a nice basket that we got. Uh, we got a lot of good graphic novels that are autographed uh, by uh, Andrea Molani, right? Right, Jeff? Yeah, that, that's Molinari. it. <laughs> I'm going to get uh, it right. No, you're not. You'll never get it right. I know. He's going to smack me with his staff over at uh, the expo when he shows up. <laughs> he should. Uh, and again, Blake, uh, it's it's for uh, you can bring your kids too um, because they can come and bowl. Um, like I said, Hobie has a lane. And again, Blake, tell us what day it was. Yeah, August 18th. August 18th. And it starts at noon? noon there you go Coleraine bowl so if you're in the area uh come on by uh hobie will be there uh with bells yeah, just, on yeah just come on by to say hi uh we got a lane throw and i promise i will break a hundred this year on the uh pins maybe maybe uh, maybe we'll request that they put the gutter guards up for you could they do that because my daughter really wants to do it and she's four. <laughs> oh, i'm sure they could put the gutters up uh blake do you have any ups yeah i've got uh good up i've got my gen con report Ooh, how was it 
That was pretty good. Okay. That was it? <laughs> Come on. I was, waiting, I, was waiting for, I was waiting for more questions. No, uh, seriously, yeah. So Gen Con in Indianapolis, it's been uh, since the last uh, four-day weekend, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Wednesday is actually kind of like an industry day, but they open up for a, a lot of the gaming that uh, starts on Thursday. And this year's convention featured more than 520 game companies, more than 600 new games, like 17,000 ticketed events, and they were so big this year. Not only do they spill over into the uh, hotels in the convention area, you know, downtown Indianapolis, we actually filled the Lucas Oil Stadium. And my, my first game was actually down on the field in Lucas Oil Stadium, so that was pretty cool. And uh, it looked exactly like it does in Madden football <laughs> <laughs> except uh except i didn't i didn't have to uh you know uh tackle pump pass or throw did uh did andrew luck show up because he's not doing anything else uh he may have been there yeah, i think uh rumor had it he was dressed up as a uh, stormtrooper oh i could see that him and daniel craig uh, yeah and then uh, uh mark hamill's probably there too but uh he was probably dressed as deadpool <laughs> there were a lot of Deadpools running around the conference this year. Yeah. I, that was probably the number one outfit. That always seems to be the number one outfit the last couple I, of years. I think yeah. the, the, those you know, body suits tend to be very popular for people going into the Comic-Con. It shouldn't be. Yeah, well, some people shouldn't be in bodysuits, <laughs> but they are. That's it. I'm going to Deadpool next there year. There you go. Well, Back actually— Deadpool. Actually, you know, tell you the truth, I think Deadpool is very popular probably because of the bodysuit concept, and you can do whatever you want with Deadpool. That's true. You could take any variation you like. So they're like straight up normal Deadpools, but a lot of people running around as Deadpool had uh, their own takes and their own twists on the on the outfit, and whether it's like Deadpool dressed up as somebody else or. Uh, you know, probably the best bodysuit Deadpool I saw was actually a uh, well, what appeared to be a female in a very nice, tight-fitting Deadpool bodysuit. Did you? That uh, was me. Did you get pictures for the uh, Facebook page? No. Good job. Yeah, I need to keep that stuff off my phone because you know the female perspective is bad. <laughs> Well, I did see that uh, Gen Con, uh, you posted on our Facebook page that there was Muppets uh, that were drawn in horror movies. Yes, that is correct. There was a, a vendor there that uh, specializes in pop culture uh, 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 pop culture art with unique spins. And it was kind of funny. We were just joking about Muppets and horror movies. And he actually had a display of several <laughs> Muppets and Sesame Street characters as horror um uh horror movies in horror movies so you had uh uh you know grover as uh what's his name from nightmare on elm street freddy krueger freddy krueger yes and you had animal as uh from the shining so it was actually pretty funny <laughs> i like the animal like, from shining yeah, yeah it was great actually it was perfect timing as i walked by the booth and i'm like oh my gosh i gotta get a picture of this but you didn't buy any no, I, uh, <laughs> stuff like that, the female perspective would frown upon in this house. <laughs> but maybe in my man cave, soon to come. Uh-huh, I believe that when I see it. So yeah, sure. Is there any good games that you saw? Yeah, actually, 
you know, uh, well, actually, for like the the sixth or seventh straight year, their numbers have increased, and I think this year they they had, had uh, you know the the consecutive uh, another year of a sixteen percent increase in attendance. You know, basically from the beginning when they started. I think overall it's like a 60% jump since they moved to Indianapolis over the years. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger. The, the first night that we were there, we were actually on the field down there in, in Lucas Oil. And we were playing a um, kind of like a homebrew 3-5 Pathfinder game with this guy, this uh, Jimmy. And it was kind of actually interesting. So as the game master, what he did was uh, he was doing his own thing, but the but what was interesting about him is that he was literally legally blind. So what was pretty funny is that he had these huge dice for like the size of your fist. So when he would roll it, he'd be able to look at it. And he had his notes with, you know, the big font on the, on the pieces of paper. And so, you know, with him being legally blind, you know, all of my to hit rolls, uh, hit. Oh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, they lost another not 20. <laughs> no, but, but, it, but it was pretty neat. So uh, as we game, it was a four-hour session for Thursday night. And uh, the way it worked, it was, it was very interesting. We were there with the six other folk at the table. And as part of the small conversation that comes up and et cetera, it turns out that um, – you know, he's like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an independent publisher, and uh, I've been making games, been making games up and card games up. So I decided I would do it professionally and, and, and just start doing it. And what was kind of funny is uh, that the uh, two guys that were at the table, they were friends that were playing with us, was like, oh, yeah, you know, we were just talking about this game that we saw called Card Game called Fates of Madness. It's an RPG card game. And the guy's like, really? And they're like, yeah, we were, we're interested. We need to check it out. And he's like, hold on a second. So he gets up. He walks away as we're taking a break. And he comes back, and he's got a box of the, you know, of, of the of the card game. And uh, he goes, here you go. He goes, uh, I actually I'm I actually made this. <laughs> this the, so he was actually the Face of Madness RPG guy creator that's uh, published through Legendary Games. And uh, Jimmy, who is the GM, he's his uh, little uh, game thing that he's made up is is Mythic Gaming. So Mythic Gaming through Legendary Games actually made this card game that a lot of people were interested in called Fates of Madness. It's an RPG card game. So we thought it was pretty funny that uh, just out of the blue, the two guys were like, yeah, we saw this great RPG card game with no DM. The players play together. And the guy's like, yeah, that's my game. I made it. <laughs> I was like, so, so that was pretty cool. It was almost like last year when we were playing at the games, you know, people, I had two of the, two of the, uh, event, uh, coordination creators for dragon con that's actually in Atlanta. And so it was kind of neat. So every year I keep, you know, meeting somebody that's, you know, pretty interesting. And, and this year it was, um, the, the independent publisher guy who was DMing my first game, you know, for, uh, mythic gaming. So that was pretty neat. And then, um, uh, another a good event that we went to the first time we did, it was called Iron GM. And uh, essentially, it's a, a GM, you know, you know, game mastering competition. And they announced it is kind of good. They put on like a big show and they bring people in. They announce them like WWE style. And, they bring <laughs> in, and some of the GMs actually get into it and dress into character. 
And, uh, you know, they, they give the announcements and backgrounds and they come down the aisle doing the WWE kind of fun stuff. And, and, uh, essentially all the players at the table have to agree on the, uh, the game system that's going to be used. If nobody can agree, it defaults to the D and D 3.5, you know? And, uh, so, uh, a, a lot of the game master, they will come in. It was pretty funny. You know, uh, the, the, the two time winner, his guy's name was necessary evil. And they actually had a big fake, you know, like WWE, you know, iron GM belt that he wore and he's got a cape and a mask. And, and so it was actually very entertaining. And, and the first hour you, you make up, uh, your characters on the spot. So it's almost like a lot of pressure on the players. It was like, Oh my God, I got to make a character on the spot. And I learned very quickly, uh, don't use uh, sorcerers or wizards because that's a lot more complicated than a fighter. So especially when you're making things up on the spot. But uh, it is, so it was pretty neat. So the next five but hours. But isn't that how you find out who's the best uh, DM? Yeah, exactly. So the DM only has like an hour to prepare. And there's three uh, code words that nobody knows until the event starts. And the, uh, yeah, they so they announced the three code words at the begin at the beginning of the the time session for the competition, and basically the GMs have to incorporate those three words or concepts into their game, and you go and work it at that, and then you rate the GMs, you know, uh, as you play them, and um, you know, so unfortunately we couldn't stick around. It was taking them too long to tally up the winners. I mean, because we were there for like six and a half, seven hours, and we're like, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> do this anymore you know so it was pretty cool that's only half of an axis and allies game yeah i know (laughs) i didn't do any axis and allies this year i'm kind of disappointed none at all no none at all you didn't have 17 days to play a game well they only have four days and i'm i'm not a competitive axis and allies player so you know, competitive access analysis players that I learned several years ago are, are very intense. And if you don't, you know, do the scripted moves that they expect in the first round, they get upset, you know, so. Isn't that why you don't do them? If they're <laughs> yes. expected, then <laughs> they plan for it. Yeah. Anybody that's done access analysis over a long period of time, and that's why they eventually had to come out with variations and rule sets and different backgrounds because things become very scripted after a while. What's the most effective, you know, you know, strategy and all that kind of stuff. But, but you know what, another thing that was pretty cool was, uh, a, a event that I went to, it was called, uh, shit gamers for charity. And, uh, this was actually a, a panel, uh, event discussion that, um, included several, uh, big names in the industry. And so, what it was, they were up on the front panel, and a number of them were uh, obviously uh, firing up before they got there. And so the crowd was there, and uh, people in the crowd uh, drinking as well, especially the uh, annoying Viking lady in the front row who who was doing those you know the, you know the, you know those drunk woo ladies woo you know woo. yell things out and exclamations upon people woo and pointing and you know she was you know she was there unfortunately the woo lady that everybody <laughs> knows and when you go to events like this that are like open forum so it was pretty neat uh there was about uh six uh, industry 
uh, folk up there at the top. The, the, of course, the centerpiece was Peter Atkinson. And if you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me, you know, he prays upon Peter Atkinson and then also anger at Peter Atkinson for fourth edition and selling the D and D to Hasbro and all that kind of fun stuff. But so he, he was there and it is something else I forgot. So they gave everybody's backgrounds a little bit of discussions and they told funny stories about meeting each other and, uh, things, uh, and, uh, um, you know, just, uh, experiences, advice, and they auctioned personal items off for charity. And they also did, um, a question and answer thing at the end, which involved a lot of, uh, shouting from the woo lady in addition to her <laughs> woos. But, um, so yeah, so it was Peter Atkinson essentially. And the thing I forgot about him is, you know, uh, you know, a lot of his success came from also, he's the guy that brought Pokemon to the U S I forgot about that. In that addition- bastard. Yeah, in addition to creating Magic the Gathering, you know, so they, you know, in in the the the, the panel essentially, he was on it, but he didn't chair it. It was chaired by his uh, his attorney, and uh, I forget the gentleman's name, uh, who essentially helped him uh, bring Pokemon to the U.S. buy TSR and save it from the old crazy lady that was running it into bankruptcy, and then eventually helping Peter sell the game to Hasbro. So during the question and answering session, I almost stood up and asked him why in the hell did they sell it to Hasbro and come out with the fourth edition, but I refrained because it was falling. <laughs> Everybody was in a good mood, you know, you know, so... I didn't ask stuff like that, but they had, you know, people ask advice about how to getting started in the fantasy, you know, or the tabletop gaming, et cetera. So, yeah, so Peter Atkinson was there. Uh, another guy, a gentleman that was pretty good was uh, John Kovalik or Kovalich. Mm-hmm. Kovalik. Kovalik, yes. You know him from Dork Tower. He's also the uh, illustrator for Munchkins and, most importantly, Cole uh, Bold's Ate My Baby. Correct. Yes, and uh, he also was – I didn't know this. He was the illustrator for Apples to Apples. Yes, he drew the apple. Yeah, so <laughs> – He drew the apple. <laughs> so that that's something I didn't know. I was like uh, – when they talked about Munchkins and Kobolds, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. And I didn't know he was also pretty uh, influential in the Apples to Apples, and, and he gave his – the guy was pretty. This guy was a hoot. He gave his story about how he got started in the industry and and how he got associated with Peter Jackson Games. And they said, "Hey, can you uh, like draw in the style of I forget was it Doomsbury?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Oh shit, I need to learn how to draw this way." <laughs> so, <laughs> and so basically, how he lied to get his first star. But you know, but anyways, he does a lot of. Um, illustrations for uh, fantasy role-playing card games you know uh the next lady in there was uh, you know known as the you know the lady uh in rpg world who's very famous her name is nicole lindrus um people may know her from uh, white wolf publishing and she's uh also started green ronin publishing you know with her husband and she's also been on you know dragon age and all that other kind of stuff and um, she's a very influential lady who's been, you know, in the industry for like the past 20 years. And she started, you know, gave her story, her startup story, along with a lot of woos from the woo lady, because, you know, she's a woman in the man's world, you know, essentially. Woo! Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next guy that was kind of interesting to listen to is Jeff Martin. Jeff Martin, he is the guy that uh, did Dwarven Forge, but anybody that goes to Gen Con or has done LARPing, LARPing, uh, they would know True Dungeon. 
he is the guy behind True Dungeon. And, um, you know, so my experience, I've never done True Dungeon. And actually, my buddy John and I, who we go together uh, every year, even when they first started, we said, hey, can we – we didn't pay to participate, but can we just walk through and watch people do this? They're like, yeah, sure. And they were really cool. And I think, I think it was probably Jeff himself was like, yeah, go ahead. And, and I'm like, all right. Uh, and, uh, and that's when we were watching people throw beanbags at people yelling, magic missile, magic missile. And we thought it was pretty goofy. <laughs> but, uh, LARPing, LARPer. No, but uh, it is actually pretty cool. It's gotten so big. True Dungeon's gotten so big and crazy that uh, they're part of the reason why they've moved into Lucas Oil because it's it's huge, you know. Uh, and then another interesting uh, person that we watched uh, who was there on the panel, he was the youngest out of everybody. His name was Justin Gary, and Justin Gary was uh, – he was – he be- Magic the Gathering professional champion. And so I guess that's how he's associated with Atkinson and this board. And you may know him most recently from Ascension. He's the guy that uh, created Ascension. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so he started as a Magic the Gathering player. He was a champion at 17. And then after that, he went to law school and then got out of law and decided to start his own card game. That's how he um, started his own game, Ascension. So... He was there, and that was kind of fun. Youngins, yeah, those youngins. A champion at seventeen. I wouldn't eat. I was past seventeen when that game first came out. Yeah. So that that was a that was so that was pretty interesting. It was about an hour and a half, and and it was a pretty good experience. And um, I, it, it, it's neat to see these people that you know by name or you know their product. But you never actually knew who the person was behind it, and then you get to get to meet them and see them. That was especially the case with John Kovalec, you know, because I'm familiar with his artwork, and I've known of Nicole Lindrus. Um, I've actually seen her speak before, and of course Peter Atkinson, which um, you know, big big fan of, big love hate relationship that I have with him, although he doesn't know it. But <laughs> But uh, this is, that was pretty neat. And, of course, the Jeff Martin – here's pretty something interesting. I've heard of the stories of the Jeff Cons. I've heard people in the industry talk about this before, about this guy who, who was this DM who would create these great games. And it was like a private invitation only for like 12 players. And they called him Jeff Cons when he would get together to have a weekend for gaming. And it was like, oh, I was like, that guy. And they're like, yeah, he's Dwarven Forge guy. And he's the true dungeon guy. I'm like, holy shit, you know. So all these things start coming together and and having a good time. And of course, you know that was so good. But I really want to talk about is Minuteman miniatures. And this was probably one of the most pleasant surprises of the uh, Gen Con for me, you know. And this is they do what is called miniature you. Oh God! Yes, they and this is so timely <laughs> because last week I was just talking about how I used to paint miniatures. Yeah, they will three D. What they were doing, they were three D scanning uh, your head, and then <laughs> you can take that three D scan of your head and you can put it on any, any miniature that you wanted that they had. Oh, I- so in sixty eight weeks, gentlemen, we're going to have a miniature with my head on it. 
And <laughs> I asked them, I said, well, what size is? They said, well, the standard is the 20 millimeter. I said, yeah, but you got anything bigger? Oh, we go up to like 60 millimeters. I said, put me down. I want the biggest one possible because I want to see what I look like, you know? <laughs> And so I, I picked the, the fighter one with the sword, and uh, when they scan your head in, they said you can do two things. You either look straight ahead and be serious, you know, and they'll scan 3D scan your head in, or if you're going to do something animated, you have to go over the top so you can get the full caricature, caricature in it. Oh, God. So I went full war face. And I put it on the fighter's head, a fighter's body. And so we're so in six to eight weeks, I'm going to get my miniature and I'm bringing it. Six to eight weeks? Six to eight weeks. Oh, they said six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. Yeah, not 68 weeks. Not 68 weeks, Jason. No. Six to eight weeks. And I, of course, I ordered the biggest miniature they could, they had, which was 60 millimeter. And if this works out, I'm going to buy a whole armies of me. Oh, Blake, please don't. No, that'd be awesome. Can you imagine that? It'd be like, it'd be like something out of Dark Mirror. <laughs> so yeah, Minute Minuteman Miniatures. And I guess they, they travel around. They're at like MinutemanMiniatures.com. And you can uh, look. And right now, there's no way where you can do your own 3D scanning and send it to them. Although if you have that ability, maybe you could. But uh, they have a whole list of all these conventions they're going to for the rest of the year and uh if you're interested in getting a, a miniature of yourself you know on a you know on a whether it be a fighter barbarian wizard druid body or, or whatever miniature that you want uh go check them out I, i've seen a couple of their examples and it was pretty neat and i've seen some of the people getting their uh head scanned and uh, it looks really good. So we'll we'll see. I mean, I am waiting with anticipation to see how this turns out. I I, I don't know if I can handle another Blake. <laughs> oh man! If it turns oh. out pretty well, I'll give you. I'll paint myself and yeah, I'll we'll give it to you. Pictures, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll post some pictures. But uh, uh, in 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 general, that's that's my Gen Con report, and uh, I, it was a good time. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Like one one game that debuted there over the weekend was um, the um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China board game. How was that? Uh, I Jack Burton was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You, you could you could play with Jack Burton. <laughs> he was there. Uh, I didn't play it. I just walked by. I saw it. But they, you know, they were hyping it up on like a Friday with handing things out with the geishas and Jack Burton. And the guy even talking about, hey, you could play Jack Burton, me, with the game. It was actually pretty funny uh, doing his Jack Burton, and and I thought that was pretty cool. So, but yeah, it, it looked it looked pretty neat. And of course, you know, they're just you know, the the exhibition hall was just so big and it was so packed. I mean, there's this crazy games all over the place but I, I do notice that a lot of these games that people are auditioning and stuff a lot of these games are geared for 20 to 30 minutes you know um you know so it, it, it was uh it was, it was it was fun you know of course the big big ones are there paizo you know the big sponsor pathfinder pathfinder 2.0 is coming out so i guess you know um they're going to be changing their gaming system or up upgrading it you know so you know we used to call that D D 3.5 3.75 
but now I guess you know they've been going on for over for ten years, and they need to change it, change it up, and do something new, and obviously you know incorporate the rules and etc. Uh, what was pretty interesting once again, I, you know, I'm always interested to see how Dungeons and Dragons you know handles themselves at this convention. Since this used to be their convention. And now it is no longer their convention. It is actually turned into Pathfinder convention, and is owned by Peter Atkinson, who used to own Dungeons and Dragons. And it's kind of interesting to see Dungeons and Dragons wasn't even in the main hall or in the convention center at all. Now it's like they were pushed off to the JW Marriott, <laughs> and it's kind of interesting to see, you know, how over the years how Dungeons and Dragons has been kind of like pushed to the side. And so it was interesting. I almost want to ask Peter Atkinson, you know, at the panel, I was like, hey man. You know, you bought D and D. You saved D and D from the bankruptcy crazy lady TSR who was running that into the ground out of Wisconsin. You moved it to Seattle to your Wizards of the Coast Magic the Gathering that gave you all this money for this. You bring Gen Con to Indianapolis and basically save the Geneva Convention, which is what it's called. You know, they'll start a you know Gary Gygax and TSR and Dungeons and Dragons was the centerpiece, and then you sell the company to Hasbro. You eventually do the 4.4th edition, which everybody hates. Um, you have Pezo, who was your publisher, doing Dragon Magazine and Dungeon Magazine, who essentially said, hey, why are you going to 4th edition? Everybody likes 3.5. And they say, you know what? We like 3.5. It's an open system rule. We'll save 3.5 and keep it going. And now Agassin owns the convention, and Dungeons & Dragons is basically relegated off to a hotel. You know so. – I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, but Blake, that was actually really? very, that, no time out. That was very succinct on what you just did. The history of it, well done. Thank you. You're welcome. That was actually very well done. I know there's ants. I know that's it. Yes. No walking trees at the convention this oh. year. Sorry. So, and you want to thank them because they did get you a press pass too, didn't they? Yes, of course. Uh, you know, if I if by any chance. That uh, Stacia, Stacia Turner, Stacia Turner, uh, Stacia Kirby. Sorry, if she's listening to the podcast because we had cat hashtag GenCon. Thank you very much. Right, you know it is. It is kind of very interesting the the fact that um, as the Hobie correspondent, uh, not just for Hobie but for also uh, nearly .co UK unofficially, <laughs> even though I put that down. And uh, of course, from Musings of a Geek. <laughs> You know, I, you know, I'm putting. I'm trying to plug you, Jason, and Nerdly. Okay, you know, I appreciate that. Chat. You know, so it, it is pretty neat now that I've been going there for, you know, since the, since it almost started there in, in Indianapolis. You know, this was the 25th anniversary of Magic: The Gathering, so they had stuff fun for that. But it, what I was going back to is like when I first walk into the halls of the convention center, I swear I see people I see every year. And I sit there and I go, I wonder if they look at me and go, yeah, there's that one guy. <laughs> I think they do, Blake. Yeah, yeah, so. because they only have thousands upon thousands of people that, oh, yeah, there's that guy. <laughs> no, I, I swear to goodness, I keep seeing the same people over and over again every year, in addition to the thousands I swear. of others. I swear. <laughs> well, there's your Gen Con wrap-up. Mm-hmm. Blake will be back next year. And I think I'm actually going to go next year, too, Blake. Well, hey, it's uh, August uh, 1st through the 5th of uh, next year. Put it on your calendars, man. I will do that, sir. And uh, real quick before we get to listener feedback, we had a Twitter poll of the week. 
You can find us at uh, Bad Ideas Podcast on Twitter. Uh, and also follow us on the History of Bad Ideas on Facebook. But on Twitter, we have a poll of the week. Listener Brian Hackney wanted to be the new intern since we had to fire the last intern. He asked, uh, he wanted to be the new intern. What task should he complete to show his devotion to the job? The options were binge all Kevin can wait, back massages for Hobie, wear long pants because he does not like wearing pants, and eat 10 avocados because he hates avocados. And in last place was wear long pants. No one wanted him to see that. Uh, in uh, third place, 10% of the vote, back massages for Hobie. I would have voted no, for that. No one wants our backs to be loose and feel good. I do. I only and, hire Swedish women for that. And in first place, winning 70% of the vote to 20%, binge all Kevin can wait, beat, eat avocados. He said that he has completed this task, and it looks like Brian might be the new intern for the show. The good news so is... you fire him. Well, the good news is that interns don't come on the show. Uh, they're just in the background, so he has to just send in the documents and the paperwork. So, oh, yeah. Sorry about that, Brian, I, I, but... And take the blame anytime there's a problem in uh, the paperwork. Well, we have a little problems with uh, Skype and uh, Greg Wright, so fuck Brian. God dang, that horrible intern. First hey, week on the job, and he screws Skype up. Hey, I, I'll tell you what. If uh, he can do a better job at getting floppy winners uh, guest appearances on the show, like Greg Wright, who won his first floppy two years ago, who Jason just got on the show tonight, then I say he's doing better. <laughs> Shut it, Blake. Who have you got in all? Hey, of all these guys that you saw at Gen Con, hey, did any of you go? Did you think, hey, you want to be on our show? No, you didn't, did you? I'm there as a uh, no, passive observer, Jason. No, no, you're a press pass. <laughs> Fucking do your job. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I got the press pass so I can get in for free. <laughs> I mean, I was supposed to work? Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, Blake, do some listener feedback. <laughs> All right. So, listener feedback. I actually have – we can choose amongst our sponsors this week. Would you like to know who our sponsors could be, and you tell me which one you want? Sure. Go for it. Sure. Our first sponsor is Aquariums because that's the only way people can actually find something wrong and get mad at Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> okay. Could it be the New York Times editorialist Sarah Jong and her racist tweets? <laughs> I did not hear about this part. Could it be Rihanna's culturally appropriated thin eyebrows? <laughs> okay. Or the return of Hollywood blacklisting. Oh, mm. blacklisting. Let's be sponsored by blacklisting. I like it. Yeah, let's do that. All right. There you go. Everybody uh, loves a good McCarthyism. That's right. I bring back McCarthyism, except it'll be reverse blacklisting. <laughs> <laughs> we don't Any. like your – your uh, ideas, you cannot work in our industry. You can't rent yeah. here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yes. However, that's not how we are at Hobie. We are 100% listener feedback. We don't care what your down-the-hall opinion is. You're welcome to our listener feedback. Oh. You know why? Because it's freedom of expression, baby. Yeah. Yeah, like this expression that no one can see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to kick off our bomb listener feedback, freedom of speech edition with this guy named Doug. Number one one fan. Formerly known as. He says, uh, are you afraid Shazam will be too silly? 
Jeff, you want to feel this one? I'm not afraid of it being too silly. I'm just afraid of it not being good. <laughs> so like every DC film. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I actually saw a part of the preview trailer and it was muted. So, so far, I think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it looks funny. Uh, I could watch him flossing all day long, the dance move. It was funny. I don't know why, but... Uh, I don't really care about the character, so whatever you do to this character has to be better than what it was, right? Oh, well, I'll agree to that. The biggest problem is I still can't call him Shazam. <laughs> I grew up with him being called Captain Marvel, and I know that there's all uh, problems legally with the name between companies, but I can't accept someone being called Shazam because Shazam was just the saying, not the name of the character. And I can't get over it. Zachary Levi kind of looks like just a man in a muscle suit, too. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I know he balked up, but and I keep thinking of Don Knotts with Shazam. Mm-hmm. Jim Neighbors. Jim Neighbors. <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> was he F Troop? No. No, that's from uh, Andy, Andy's uh, Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith show. Yes, Don Knotts. No, uh, I think there's more than just Don Knotts on the Andy Griffith show. Well, yeah, oh. Andy Griffith <laughs> Opie. and Opie Cunningham. <laughs> the best. Anyways, we're, we're going to move on to uh, <laughs> Randall Holt regarding top five things you used to love. He says he used to love uh, video games, the NFL, TV shows, and hashtag top three. <laughs> he only did three. So he still loves everything else that he used to, but those three. Oh, okay. Well, you know, with the way Brian Hackney writes this uh, listener feed, you know, feedback stuff out, you know, I got to try and interpret what he meant. I think you skipped <laughs> two other questions, didn't you? Oh, from uh, Nick the Gimp. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had to overlook that. Nick. Yeah, my, I listed it. No. Uh, Nick DeGimp says, tell Blake, suck it. I've seen 13 MCU movies. I think that's bullshit. Uh, I don't think he has. I think you've seen three movies 13 times total. Yeah. Because <laughs> we know he did, he is a, uh, he has um, admitted he only sees about five a year. And he claims to have seen at least 13 MCU universe movies to make a, a Black Panther judgment for at least 10 of those. So I don't know. I may have to call into uh, Nick DeGimp's um, authenticity there. I we need that, that fact check. That will Listen. be Brian's uh, uh, first job. Uh, yeah, his assignment this week. Yeah. Track down Nick DeGimp, find out what 13 MCU movies he has seen and his ranking of them. And then explain to him why he's wrong. He has uh, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren's The Punisher one through eight. So <laughs> I don't know. I think he really likes it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But I do have this admission. If Nick the Gimp is telling the truth, he may have seen more MCU movies than me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Although I do have a lot of Captain America's queued up on my DVR. <laughs> Watch those. Yeah. Those are the good ones. Oh, good. Well, then I'll get to those, and then eventually I'll get to Infinity War. Did you ever see the first Captain America? No. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> then he probably has seen more MCU movies than you. Hey. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, let me get away from this subject. <laughs> Let's just go. This is just from Bob. Bob. From Bob. Why are they making another Terminator? Money. They think they can make money. That's Ugh. it. No other reason than they think they can make money. They, sh- well, yeah. they showed Linda um, Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. They showed her uh, like a picture of her on the set. I just don't care. No one cares. Blake Blake is the biggest Terminator fan. He's, he saw, he's the one that saw the most recent Terminator film, and he even hated it. That is that is true. I am probably the only one who's seen all the Terminators. Yes, yeah, I have. stopped after three. Mm-hmm. I think I did, yeah. too. Yeah, because, you know, I love a good time travel movie. <laughs> you do. You love time travel. <laughs> did uh, you watch the Sarah, Con- uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles television show? No, I avoided that. Uh, no. I just want to let you guys know that I'm eating Pez in the studio by myself. Damn you! You're hoarding wish, the Pez. I wish I had Pez with me now. Yeah, but you hey. don't have any pants on, Blake. So that makes it easier. I'm wearing pajamas mm-hmm. now with pajamas. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. Speaking of pajamas, that makes you think of who? Nikki. Yeah, of course. Says listener question for when Blake is back and alive, which I am back and alive, by the way. This is not pre-recorded. She says, I have a personalized plate. Now, we did have this discussion about how we love looking at personalized plates and trying to decide what they are because sometimes they're kind of coded and we don't know what you, you know, trying to figure it out. So she says, I believe you call them vanity plates. Yes, that's what we call them here in the States in the free world. She says, uh, <laughs> the free world. <laughs> Keep on rocking the free world. That's right. That was almost a, a coherent song there, Jay. You know, I, I have this thing on the mic when you guys aren't here, and it makes it sound better. <laughs> oh, let me try it. Time out, time out. Some people no. just want to watch the world burn. <sighs> no, nope. it sounds bad. Gold oh, dust. Don't even start with that. <laughs> I'm going to hang your ass up. Yeah, we, we can just hang up and walk away and end it right now. <laughs> Jeff and I can it's continue like with the podcast. Stuck, we're locked in the studio. We can boot you out of this conversation. <laughs> so be careful, Jason. Fucking Skype. <laughs> That's right. So so our favorite listener, uh, Nikki, who is a uh, uh, from the island nation of Indonesia, I believe, right? Yes. She's, she says, I believe you call them vanity plates. Good luck working out what this means. And it's all capital letters. It's S-C-B-G-N-G. So if you're listening at home right now, write out S-C-B-G-N-G. If you're driving, uh, pull over and uh, put it on your phone. Text. What do you what think does it that is? Mean? I have my no guess, idea. My guess is the Scooby-Doo gang. Oh! I thought it had something to do with like scuba gang, but yeah, scuba doo gang. Yeah, scuba gang. That was That'd a lot be better than guess. mine. Mine had scab gong. Gong. <laughs> I, th- I was thinking of like seb ginging. <laughs> yeah, Nikki Scooby Doo gang, take that. We don't. So, that's yeah. We don't know if it's right, but it's right until we're proven wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I bet it's kind of a. Kind of a plate that would go on like a 2001 Mitsubishi Gallant that's silver. I don't know. I'm just wondering. Oh, I was guessing it was going to be on a, a very old uh, VW Combi or something. That's true, too. It could be on one of those. 
Pretty neat. Yeah. All right. I think it is Scooby Gang. Now we're going to have to wait for our listener feedback and see if we're correct. If uh, Nikki from Australia, if uh, we got that correct. All right. Uh, next from Besada Geek at Besada Geek Pod. He says, I'm behind the Meg. My only concern is the shark is too big. I want to see people being chewed, not swallowed. You know, Greg Wright has an interesting take on this uh, coming up. <laughs> yes. It's called a tease. It is. Uh, I will be seeing the Meg this week. So look for my review on nerdly.co.uk. Uh, you and the two other people that bought tickets. Shut it. Uh, hey, you know, why don't you interview the other people that are there going <laughs> to the movie and see what brought them out? You know what? That would be more effort I've done in that than you did all at Gen Con for Hobie. <laughs> uh, hey, sir, right. why are you watching the Meg? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they closed down my homeless camp in downtown Cincinnati. <laughs> It was the cheapest way to get in the air conditioning. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> Somebody told me there was free popcorn here. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yes, so I'll be seeing the Meg. My review will be up Friday uh, over on nerdly.co.uk. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. Excellent. Good. I'm excited for it, too. <laughs> <laughs> listener reviews <laughs> kevin at cincy explorer christopher robin review charming heartwarming and great time to warp to childhood just seeing poo on the screen that's poo p-o-o-h eeyore and tigger were hilarious Ewan mcgregor gave a great performance really only one complaint uh china bandit no, he said, <laughs> so the flow, well, that is true. China did uh, ban the movie. Yes. The worst part was the ridiculous reasoning behind their banning of the movie. And why right. is that, Jeff? Because someone did a meme comparing Pooh to their uh, president, so they banned the movie. Yeah, prime Minister. Wrong. Yeah, the Prime Minister. Prime Minister, I'm sorry. I, I got his title wrong. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I'm so fortunate to be in a country that doesn't censor anything. Oh, wait. <laughs> Down the hall. No, no, no but uh, really it's only one complaint. It's the country that's censoring. It's the social justice warriors that are censored. Yeah, but thank goodness it's not the actual institution like the government uh, yes. in you like can't, China. You can't see me, but I'm moving my hand down the hall, pointing it down. Yeah. Oh. Wait, 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 let me re- let me finish. Kevin says really only one complaint. This is his real complaint. I, we just made the other stuff up based off of recent news. So he wasn't really complaining about the uh, censorship in China. <laughs> he was actually saying that his really complaint was the flow of the script was unbalanced at times. But he didn't say what he meant by that. Okay. But he did say overall 7.5 out of 10. It was I- unbalanced like a car tire. So it was wobbling? Yes. Uh, Power Bottom Jim is not here this week, but he did mention on Twitter that he was actually intrigued to see this movie. Is anyone else? Nope. Uh, I won't see it in the theater. Uh, Maybe watch it on HBO or something. Bullshit. I guess if you're a big Christopher Robin and Pooh fan, as in P-O-O-H, you would probably go see it. Me, I'm kind of like a relaxed kind of guy, and I'll probably end up seeing it because I'm with family and nephews, nieces, and maybe end up seeing it that way. Okay. Oh, bother. Oh, God. Fucking Eeyore. What what do we got here? That was actually my poo impersonation. Oh. Oh. (laughs) 
See, the microphone makes your impressions worse. Skype does. Yeah, I think Jeff's impersonations in person are better than Skype. So anyways. <laughs> I admit that wasn't a good one, but yeah. at least that oh, was a cool <laughs> Okay. Well, in, in speaking of uh, bad impersonations and et cetera, uh, Professor Number One and Dr. Number One, let's, uh, round, we'll round out our uh, bomb listener feedback with his, who should we be outraged at? Ray Lewis and Kobe Bryant, who did horrible things, allegedly, but are forgiven. Hater and Gun just tweeted stuff and are vilified. Is saying things worse than doing things? Hashtag listener feedback. Uh, Ray Lewis was inducted into the NFL Football Hall of Fame this weekend. That is correct. And With he his 32-minute speech. Yes, because rules don't apply to him, neither do laws, allegedly. And well, he did have to serve one year in prison for obstruction of justice. Was it in prison? Yeah, he did. He did a one-year term, didn't he? I don't know. I, no, I'm, I I'm right until proven wrong. Okay, oh, uh, I proved but, you wrong. But did you see his bust and what people are saying, like his NFL uh, Hall of Fame bust? Was it not. as bad as Cristiano Ronaldo's bust at the oh. airport in Portugal? Well, people are saying that it actually looks more like the murder victim that he was allegedly <laughs> involved in than him. Wow. Well, maybe they got the picture from the newspaper and picked the wrong one. Oh, my goodness. I did not see that. I'll have to to go look that up after we get done recording tonight. I think it is the greatest thing ever if that was really the guy that made the statue, the bust, really wanted to do that. I think it is the greatest thing ever. Uh, It does look a little bit like the victim. I'm just saying. So... Well, maybe there is justice in the world in a weird maybe. way. Uh, did Ray Lewis wear his white suit to the uh, – did he ever get that back? Did he wear that to the NFL Hall of Fame? No, that one's you know at the cleaners and it's never been returned. Oh, OK. Gotcha. Because gotcha. of DNA and blood stains, I think. I don't know. You can't get that out. Even Dreft yeah. can't get that out. <laughs> yeah, you got to burn that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, not that I know. No, no, no. We're just saying you know, it's tough oh, yeah. to get that stuff out. Uh, Speaking of other worthless people, Terrell Owens uh, had his speech outside of Canton. (laughs) He was in Tennessee and uh, at his college and gave his speech too of like a 30 minute speech. And he said that he was doing this for all the people that didn't get in on their first try and should have. He's just a caring person, isn't he? Well, T.O. made it uh, true to form. It's all about him. Mm hmm. Yeah, so two, it's all about two, and true to form, he kept it all about two. So, and, you know, there are a lot of people that probably should have been in the first round, too. Ha ha, LO. But unfortunately, you can only take eight a year, right? It's something stupid like that, yeah. Yeah, so you can only take eight a year, and there's nothing wrong with this class. Every class has celebrated athletes. And you're of rare eight athletes in the NFL out of hundreds and thousands, you know, that have played the game. And I, regardless of whether or not you be ticked off, it's on your third term in or whatever. And I do think some personal biases came into it. But let's put it this way. He didn't do anything, you know, in his favor. No. You know, you know, he, he is known for being 
different. And uh, he's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of about him. And a lot of people, a lot of sports writers took that into account and said, yeah, you're good enough to be in. This is your first year eligible, but we like these other eight people better. And that happened for like, what, two, three years. And But, you know, they eventually got it right. And he does deserve a spot there. I'm just kind of sad that he had to make it about himself again and essentially, you know, confirmed everybody who is not a fan of two. And there you go. My uh, my thing is, okay, T.O. probably did deserve to go in. I have no issue with that. Yeah, he deserves to be oh, in. Oh, he deserves to be in. But if you think back, I was thinking about this uh, the other uh, this weekend when they were talking about it. If you think back on his highlights of the NFL, the only things I remember – like that come to mind right away is him doing uh, bashing the star, like running up to the Dallas Cowboys star and putting the football down when he was playing for the uh, 49ers and then getting chucked the next time he did it. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is him doing put uh, sit ups in the driveway <laughs> when he got fired oh. by the Eagles. You don't remember when he was defending his quarterback? No, I don't remember He's my that. Quarterback. Actually. Oh, he like almost was in tears because uh, I suppose it was McNabb or something, and he like came to his defense when people were speaking bad about him, and yeah, he kept maybe, going off, kept calling him my quarterback. And, maybe it was just chemical imbalance that did it, uh, made him tear up. You don't even remember his year here when he was with the Bengals, do you? I don't want. I don't want to. <laughs> I do not want to. I don't want to remember anybody in that class <laughs> except no. Car- except Carson Palmer. I really liked him. No. Although I will say about the NFL Hall of Fame, I was surprised at how long it took uh, Tim Brown to make the Hall of Fame. How, uh, that, that, I, I was pleasantly surprised – or not ple- unpleasantly surprised by that too. It, it, we lost the uh, – the finals of a trivia competition because they asked the question about who was the most recent person to win a Heisman trophy that was inducted into the hall of fame. And a friend of mine was like, Oh, well these people I know have won, you know, have won it. And I'm like, I said, well, if Tim Brown won the Heisman, he's gotta be in the hall of fame. Right. And it's like, or he, yeah, the most recent Heisman winner. So he's like, and it's like, well, it's either between him or Barry Sanders. And it's like, well, who won the Heisman more recently? So we went with Tim Brown, and he wasn't in the Hall of Fame at that time. Then the next year he went in. <laughs> Bastards. But we're like, how, how did he be held out that long? He was like number two on every chart. Is Gino Toretta behind the greatest of all time? Is uh, Gino Toretta in it? No. Oh, oh. He has a Heisman. He has a Heisman. Oh, yeah. And uh, Blake, I, I, I looked it up. Ray Lewis only did a year's probation. Oh, year's prison. probation. All right. One year in prison was the maximum sentence allowed for what he pled guilty to, but he just got a year probation. In Ray, oh. de- Ray Lewis's defense, that one year probation is tough. You know, <laughs> People go to jail. They get three square meals a day. Ray Lewis, on probation, still had to find people to make him meals. I mean, that was tough. That was tough. Yeah. And and then he, every time he had to go out of town to play a game in another city, he had to get permission. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's tough. How great would it have been if the probation officer said, no, you can't go? 
<laughs> I'm a Bengals fan. You can't go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not that back then in the 90s it would have yeah. mattered. <laughs> Although I'm thinking the crime was what, Tennessee? Yeah. And I mean, it's like he obviously doesn't live in that town. How does that work? Does he have to? Do they have a probation officer in the city he lives in, or does he have to move to Tennessee for his probation? I don't. Someone uh, who knows the law, explain this to me. Uh, I believe it's Skype. He has to Skype in. Oh, okay. But if it fucks up, he's really screwed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Being a uh, an unfortunate Browns fan and having to watch Ray Lewis. Ah, man, he was a talent. Mm hmm. You know, he was very evasive. He he is very uh, controversial in the fact that of that incident, uh, obstructing justice, not, uh, you know, not court, you know, cooperating with the law to talk about what he witnessed and what happened. So that does give me kind of concern. However, on the other hand, you know, he does seem to do an awful lot of uh chirping about getting a second chance and and um you know all that kind of fun stuff so we'll see how the book eventually closes on him but yeah you're right it's it's kind of funny i guess the the way our society is you know people are forgiven some people are never forgiven so you know some people do some very very outrageous things and then there's people that like tweeted things 15 years ago that they apologize for, and and they get vilified and fired, you know. So it's just crazy. Did you see that Disney is uh, looking to bring back James Gunn? Well, you know, here here's here's the thing. You know, the uh, social media mob mentality is is scary. It's almost like um, you know lynching mobs, you know, or you know justice posse's in the West. Yeah, hey, go get that guy. You know, without any due course, without any, and we we are such a an instant knee jerk satisfaction. You know, society and it's like you know it seems like now it's like hey wait a minute, let's stop, take things back a step, put your emotions aside, take a deep breath, sleep on it for a day, and, and really think about you know things and discussions and and what really matters in your life. And that's deep thoughts with Blake. Yeah, sorry. And that's your listener feedback of the week. (laughs) Uh, Let's get to some news of the geek this week. It's a little bit different. We're going to have an interview with Greg Wright coming up here. Uh, He is of Monstrous. He's the creator of it, along with uh, Holliston. Uh, Please go uh, pre-order that. And uh, you can go to Source Point Press. Uh, Our friends Travis and Dev uh, are uh, part of that. And uh, you can also go to MonstrousWorld.com. Uh, to look at it, and uh, he actually gives you a little uh, some spoilers on this one uh, about what's coming up. So uh, enjoy. We have comic book creator Greg Wright uh, from Monstrous and a lot more other books that he has made uh, from Source Point Press. Uh, our friends over there with Travis McIntyre and Dev. And uh, he's actually calling in to talk a little bit about it. This is our regularly scheduled program, so there'll be nothing changing, but Greg's going to sit with us for a little bit and uh, talk. And uh, how you doing, Greg? Good. Hello. Yes, I am Greg Wright, and I'm here to say a lot of clever things, I hope. Yes. Hey, Greg. Uh, what are you wearing right now? 
something clever. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> it's not that kind of phone call. All right, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it, it could be. <laughs> I have my credit card like number, Greg. Are you ready? David in particular, no. though, I got to say. He was doing a lot of trash talking earlier. Yeah, we have a love-hate relationship with Dev. He loves us. We hate him. So it kind of works yeah. out well. Yeah, um, it's kind of like a three-way. I hate Jason, but I love Dev. You know. Hey, Blake, are you wor- <laughs> Blake, are you upset that you don't get to see me directly this week? No, actually, I'm thrilled, and I want to do this every week. <laughs> Just call I'm it not- every week? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say Blake can ignore you without looking at you now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, so Blake, uh, Greg, if you uh, haven't heard us before, good for you. You probably shouldn't. But if you have, <laughs> Blake likes to ignore me. We sit directly across from each other in the Bob Studios, and he always, always ignores me. I can go on a five-minute thing like I am now, and he will just ignore me. So Blake, Blake has a love-hate thing. I love him. He hates me, so it works out well. Sounds like a coping mechanism for both of you. It is. I'm needy. So, uh, so first off, uh, let's get a little introduction on Greg here, and then we'll get into some of the other things here. Uh, first off, uh, like I said, Greg, you wrote uh, floppy comic book floppy winner, monstrous. Um, so you won the prestigious floppy award from us two years ago uh, as our favorite as our favorite comic book of the year. Um, and you're finally now on the show <laughs> <laughs> two years later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it for dealing with my schedule. And, uh, you know, I'm in such high demand, I guess. <laughs> well, and Blake, you know, you should be happy because Greg's actually in Michigan. Isn't that your favorite state? Yeah, that's my favorite province in Canada. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I do kind of have a Canadian accent. I've been told by people with other accents, I guess. <laughs> What's that all, boot? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Greg, tell us first off, uh, you can do a lot better description of Monstrous than I can, uh, because I, I'll be honest, I kind of butcher uh, any type of description. So, tell us what Monstrous is about first off. Okay, yes, absolutely. Um, Monstrous is a series of stories. They're all set in Frankenstein Europe. The main focus is that you have steam-powered robots fighting your classic monsters. So, there's Frankenstein and Dracula and the Wolfman, but there's also, like, Igor doing tech support on brains and jars. And basically, like, there's nobody who's 100% good or bad. There's good guys who aren't that good, bad guys who aren't that bad. Everybody is a little bit monstrous. And I want to throw this out there for people. If they want to check out Monstrous, there, um, there's a, a thing called the Halloween Comic Fest at comic book shops the Saturday before Halloween. And they're giving out three copies of the third issue of Monsters, which is called Three Monsters and a Baby. So there's <laughs> literally no cost to people if they want to go and check this out if their local comic book shop is doing Halloween comic fest. But we want them to go to Amazon and buy this, too. <laughs> right, yeah. Go to Amazon. Go to Source Point Press. You can buy it, too. You, know, you don't need to be a, a leech your whole life. That's that's true. And the reason why uh, I will say Dev is the one that got me hooked on this because it was at uh, the Sunshine Comic Expo, which Hobie is sponsored by, if you haven't heard. Uh, We put it in subtly. Uh, And he got me hooked on it. He told me to look look at them. And it was about two two and a half years ago or so uh, is when I picked them up. 
because uh, I love the old monster movies. I love everything like that. I love, um, you know, uh, and then I also like the monster, the big monster movies like Godzilla, because the new one looks amazing. That's awesome. I'm so glad, I feel bad for talking trash about that earlier. <laughs> but only a little bit. I'll get over it. I'll sleep tonight, I, think. I will say the reason why I did buy it though is because if I spent twenty dollars, he was going to give me a hug, and he did. I bet it was wet. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what do you think about his hands? About Dev's hands? He's got normal sized hands. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, but he has a big heart. Um, but anyway, so um, so I've read through them all. I love them. And I'm not kidding. They are some of my favorite comic books uh, of the last five years. Um, and I, and I, w- Jeff and I have talked about this before. We have not bought a lot of mainstream comics anymore. Um, it just after a while, we just got tired of it after 20 years or whatever. Jeff, how long did you collect books? Uh, what did I say? 24 years. 24 years. And so, so. Um, I started collecting independent ones at these the expos and the conventions I go to. So then you kind of got me hooked on it. And we like to buy Source Point Press just because of Dev and Travis and that. Those are good guys. They've been on our show before. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it really appealed to me with the monster one. So what, I- what monster films inspired you on it? Oh, I love the Hammer Studios. I love the Universal Studios. I... As far back as I can remember, I was a huge fan of these monsters. I would look them up in books at the library and read about them, even before I could access them, because, uh, you know, we, like, some of them were harder to track down back in the, you know, the days of VHS and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've, I've seen probably all of the Universal ones and most of the Hammer ones. Um, and it's just, it's fun to spend time in that world, but also give it kind of a steampunk twist and update some things and make the characters my own. Uh, also, um, another thing that I'm excited about is that uh, they're going to be going through Diamond starting, uh, the pre-orders for Monsters start in November, so people can check out the free one and then start getting involved with the, the pre-orders. And it's an ongoing, it's going to be an ongoing series, and we have nine issues done, and um, two more that are, at least, at least two more that are being worked on, and then some story ideas for... Uh, considerably longer than that. So I've got a lot more monsters in the works that should be coming out um, throughout uh, 2019. Good, because that was the biggest thing is because I have them all, so I was kind of waiting for the next next ones. So damn you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And also, if you're, if you're a fan of, like you said, kaiju, big giant monster kinds of things, I also have another comic. There's two issues. They're only available digitally right now. Um, and my artist is Eric Reichenbach, um, the artist on Monsters of Ken Lamoog, uh, but there's going to be some new artists coming in to do, like, one-shot stories, too, um, but in, I'm skipping all over the place, sorry, focus, um, <laughs> with, with, uh, with Eric Reichenbach and myself, we're making a, we've got two issues out, and the third one is almost done, of a comic called Last Monster Standing, and, uh, Eric Reichenbach has done on Survivor twice. I'm not saying that to, like, name-check it or whatever, but it has to do with the story, because the basic pitch for Last Monster Standing is that giant monsters invade Tokyo, and then they get their own reality show. I like it. Is it better than Pacific Rim? I think so. I think, I like to think so. Uh, I kind of made fun of Pacific Rim in the Holliston book, which I'm going to talk about next, 
uh, where the you know the guy is like, I wish I could make a job a joke about Pacific Rim job. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that, that's you know, um, middle school about I think. So. <laughs> Blake just booed you. <laughs> Blake's a big Pacific Rim fan. <laughs> But I do. But I did appreciate the 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 innuendo joke. Blake, Blake, you saw Pacific Rim too, right? Of course not. Oh, have you seen Avengers yet? <laughs> no. Ah, oh, bastard. Um. No. Go ahead and talk about Holliston. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's Holliston. That's another thing. Again, that's pre-orders are going on right now for a Halloween delivery for the second Holliston. Uh, the first one came out, and it was so successful, we had a follow-up. It's based on uh, the cult horror sitcom from Adam Green, who did the Hatchet movies, uh, Digging Up the Marrow, Frozen, the horror movie, not the Disney movie. And um, it, But you don't need to be a fan of the show to love the comics and the graphic novels. They are their own thing. I mean, it's a standalone thing. You get introduced to the characters in each of them. And the first one was called uh, Holliston, Friendship is Tragic. The one that people can pre-order right now, and I'm hoping to have this be a big, wide release. Um, it's called Carnival of Carnage, and basically a carnival comes to the town of Holliston, and our four uh, filmmaker, independent horror filmmaker friends slash losers um, wind up going to the carnival, and there's a demented chili cook-off, a, a boyfriend from hell, and zombies. There's, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in there. And the reason I say it's for people who are not just fans of the show, it's anybody who is a fan of, like, horror or comedy. There's all kinds of references in there, Easter eggs galore in both of the Hollistons. And it's funny and cool, and I can't recommend it enough. I'm really excited about it. Will you ever do a My Little Pony and switch gears? You know, I, would, I wouldn't rule it out. I, they have to call me, though. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I see. I also I'm worried about I'm worried about what to say now because there's such a vocal brony community, <laughs> and I don't want to be on the wrong side of them. I don't want them getting angry. Jeff's a brony, right, Jeff? Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> Jeff's a big brony fan. Um, so you're a big horror fan, uh, obviously. Are you upset yeah. that the Dark Universe is not happening at Universal Studios? <laughs> or are you happy that it's not happening? Because <laughs> well, we've read what they were going to do with it. I didn't like it. Uh, well, Blake? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I like the Mummy movies. Like the Brandon Fraser Mummy movies. I think those are okay. Um, and it, was, it really was a bummer to me that they led with Tom Cruise Mummy and that it just it really tripped right out of the gate. And um, that's unfortunate to me. Uh, but, you know, I mean, at the same time, it's sort of like, well, maybe go back to the drawing board and see what you can come up with. Um, I mean, as far as that goes, like, I didn't, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's a gem, a cinematic gem, but I didn't even think that their Van Helsing was too bad. Uh, that's from a long time ago. You know, <laughs> Jeff and I have talked many times about Van Helsing. <laughs> oh. One of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad, but I didn't think it was as bad as The Mummy, but maybe that's just me. Blake, did you see the new Mummy with Tom Cruise? Why would I? No, I thought you did. I thought you no. saw it. Oh. But, I, but if it has Tom Cruise running, I've seen Tom Cruise running an awful lot, so I don't care. I've, uh, 
I've uh, I have it on my DVR for the last I want to say six months. The Mummy, and I still have yet to even turn it on. So I keep tr- I keep wanting to, but I just haven't. Um, now the other thing is too. We talked about this last week, and Je- Blake's going to talk about this later on with Gen Con. But we last week, Greg, we were replacing uh, horror film characters with Muppets. You got any suggestions for that? Oh yeah, yeah. I think you know. I think you get Jigsaw replaced with the Swedish Chef. I think that would work really well, right? You know, but he's got he's, he's like got the meat cleaver, and he's. You know, <laughs> I guess I guess it's Carrie Elwes who chops off his own foot, right? But I just feel like you know uh, the Swedish Chef while <laughs> running around. It's just. I don't think we did that one last week, did we, with Swedish Chef, guys? I don't think we did mention Swedish Chef, no. What did we have last week? We had Animal as Leatherface? Animal as Leatherface? Yes. And then what else did we have, Blake? Come on, you're the guy that remembers. No, we just had – I just replaced – uh, all the Muppet care. I just, I kept Mark Marky Mark Wahlberg's character uh, from Boogie Nights. Oh, that's replaced right. everybody else with the you know with the Muppets. That's right. That's right. We did all movies. <laughs> um, oh, but I, I didn't do any of the horror stuff though. But you guys did more of the horror stuff. Do the Japanese horror movie audition, right? Where he's like auditioning for a wife and she goes crazy. I could definitely see Miss Piggy doing that. I don't think we've I've seen that one. <laughs> I've not seen that one. It's pretty disturbing. It's um it's a Takashi Miike movie. I already sound super pretentious. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're allowed to be super pretentious. That's fine. Now, here's the big thing. This is the biggest question of the night. And because my two jerk of uh my two co-hosts are jerks and don't agree with me. Are you excited to see the Meg? You know, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rush to the theater. I don't see too many movies in the theater. Although I did see the the new um, Mission Impossible. I thought that was pretty good. Um, but you know, I I like I, I like Jaws a lot, and I feel like they're trying to like mess with the Jaws iconography. I feel like all the other sharks they shark movies they've made from Sharknado to Deep Blue Sea. I feel like all of them are left wanting. Even the other Jaws sequels are left wanting uh, compared to the visceral thrills that you get in that first Jaws movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll definitely see it, and it's definitely something I actually would look forward to. I like Jason Statham. I like giant monster movies, sharks, all that's cool. But I don't know I don't know that it's going to get me into a theater to see it, though, either. Uh, I went to look... Uh, to get tickets for Thursday night, and it's just me going. And uh, in the local theater, only two tickets have been sold. <laughs> yeah. Not the mega audience they were hoping for. Mega. No, I, I, I think they're going to have a. I told, I told you, Jason, when I first saw it, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was one of those uh, goofy movie joke, you know, previews. Blake, Blake, here's the thing. I feel like it's going to have a lot of walk-up service on Thursday night. What do you think? <laughs> Come on, <No>. Blake. <laughs> I hate you all. No. I hate you. I hate you. Uh, I'm still going. I'm excited about it. Uh, I think I want to see Jason Statham punch a shark. That's all I want to see. And you probably won't even get that. 
I know. I know. I'm not going to. Um, well, I, I can. Oh, I think he could find a way. He was in. He's in Fast and Furious. He found a way. <laughs> I can tell you, it's already unbelievable, Jason, because the, the 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 views that they showed of the shark and how big it is, and it's swimming under everybody that's out at the ocean. When people are actually out at the ocean before they hit the drop off shelf, it's not deep enough for a shark that big. So it's. I hate to tell you this, Jason, but it's fake. Uh, you're looking at it as a scientific thing. We don't do science in the world anymore, so suck on that, Blake. <laughs> That's true. All right, fake movie. I want to see a shark biting people, not swallowing people. I don't want it to have that big a mouth. You know, I want to see it chop people up with its mouth. <laughs> I've heard many people say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those people can live probably hours in its mouth until the digestive juices get them. Come on. <laughs> it's not the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> It looks like it. Have you seen the poster? Monster that swallows. It's probably. I mean, it seems very suggestive at best. I don't really want to. If there's a movie about uh, a creature that swallows, I don't want it to be a shark. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Jeff, do you think Boba Fett will crawl out of it? Might you never know. <laughs> that you know what? Maybe this is a prequel to the Star Wars movies, uh, the Boba Fett one. Ah. No, nothing. Okay. No, nothing. No, okay. No. no that's, that's the kind of thing I love. That's, that's why I write comic books. Because I, I, you know, I was watching one movie. I don't even remember what it was. But a woman washed up on shore, and it was a boring movie. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if she washed up onto Skull Island? Like, that's just, the movie just takes a sharp left turn and gives you something you don't expect. I feel like comic books can do that better than movies. I agree. I'm trying to throw out something unexpected that's fun and cool, and you're like, oh, no, I didn't see that coming. Uh, did you did you like uh, Kong Skull Island? You know, I really did. I really did. I think I had low expectations, and that really helped because I was like, "Yeah, this is great. I don't want to leave Skull Island. I don't want any of that crap in New York. Just have you know dinosaurs fighting and John Goodman getting eaten and stuff like that." I think I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I was happy because Jack Black wasn't in it. That made me happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just Jack Black, but serious Jack Black. And you're like, ooh, you know. But I, I think uh, Jeff and I have agreed that Jack Black might be the best part of that movie in the first hour. And then the rest of that movie was just one really boring film, the original. Oh, well, the Peter Jackson one. Yeah, well, I mean, the first hour they're on Skull Island. And I think they learned their lesson. They're like, we don't need any of this other crap. Just give us Skull Island, you know. And it, monsters running around. And the new one had John C. Riley. Yeah, you know, I knew he was in it from the trailer, but still it felt like fun and cool and unexpected that just here he is and this weird subplot of like a World War II vet. I'm like, I really like that. I don't know. Uh, now, um, like I said, we want to have you back on, Greg. Okay, so uh, your Skype was having issues. We were having issues on Skype, so we want to have you back on because I have a lot of questions with Monstrous, and uh, I know that you're too good to come to the Cincinnati Comic Expo this year. Uh, or that's what di- I don't know. I, I don't remember if I'm, I think I'm signed up for something else that weekend. I don't know. Uh, that was not my words. That was Dev's words. Uh- <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. um because i do have a lot of questions about monstrous and i want to do a special uh one-off hobie like a 30 minute one of just me me asking you questions about it if you don't mind i can dig it okay can you give me can you give me one can you give me one now 
Well, the first one I had, I'm not kidding you, was when the hell is the series going to start? <laughs> I was tired of it. Hey, I got you covered. Yeah, pre-orders start in November, and people can get the uh, the free uh, Halloween Comics Fest version the Saturday before Halloween. That's getting bigger every year. It's kind of like Comic Book Day on the other end of the year. Uh, it's Halloween-themed stuff. They're not all exclusively Halloween-themed, like there's a Ms. Marvel and there's a Superior Spider-Man and stuff like that, but... Mine is Halloween-themed, damn it, and it's fun and cool, and anybody can check it out. My other question is, is the series going to be more connected? Uh, Yeah, so the first four are all one-shots, and they all tie together in the next four. Then I have some one-shots as well as another four-issue arc that's coming out uh, that will be about um, Abraham Van Helsing uh, fighting Dracula, and Dracula blinds him. Okay. Uh, you know, good. Mm-hmm. And then, but then bites him, and he becomes a vampire. So he's kind of like a daredevil. Uh, you know, he's got like these super senses. He can heal fast, and he's got to track down Dracula. And uh, it's it's pretty cool because uh, he's, he's blind, but he has his other senses enhanced. And um, you know, goes about fighting monsters and goblins. And he also gets uh, trained by a Jiangshi, which is like a uh, Chinese vampire. Mm-hmm. And she teaches him, you know, like how to fight and how to enhance his powers and stuff. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing, and I, and I can't wait. Yeah, that one's got art by uh, John Wright, which I'm not related to him, but we have the last name, big last name. <laughs> yeah, and um, like I said, I, I was I like that the. Um, you had one shots, and because I know that you were trying to build the world around it and get people into it, and I do, I did enjoy that. That was not a slight at all. But I did, I did want to know if you were going to make them a little bit more connected. Not that I needed it. It's just I was just kind of curious on it. Oh uh, yeah, well, I, like, like I said, we've got some that are going to. I mean, I always want people to be getting on board, and I feel like if I like, you know what, this is going to be my eighteen issue epic, then a whole bunch of people would be like, uh, you know, maybe we don't want to. Uh, jump on board, but it's like if there's new stories coming out all the time with different characters. I'm also working. I haven't. Uh, I'm. Uh, I got another like a, a, a one shot with some mummies and um, one with like Baba Yaga from the Russian folktales. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's a lot more stuff coming on the way in the um, what's going to be issues five, six, seven, and eight. Uh, all the characters from one, two, three, and four. It connected in a story about, it's called European Getaway. It's a four-issue arc, and um, one of the characters from the first four issues gets accused, uh, gets framed for a murder of, I think I can tell this, I think this is in the first issue, uh, gets uh, framed for murdering Dr. Frankenstein and uh, trying to prove an innocence. Bounty hunters are after the character, so are good guys, uh, the Franken Squad, the criminal underworld, and trying to clear a name and as well as get out of Europe before the net closes. So, there's, yeah, there's a lot of fun with these stories. It's kind of like the Wild West, uh, except uh, instead of Cowboys and Indians, it's monsters versus robots. And uh, people have been really receptive to it. They really liked it a lot. Good, good. Like I said, I'm looking forward to it. So, Greg, I, I will let you go here, and then, like I said, we will get you back on here pretty soon. Um, when technology doesn't suck for all of us. Uh, <laughs> I hope, I hope. Thank you for your patience, and thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. And tell us real quick, um, tell us again where where they can find you. All right. Well, you can find me, uh, believe it or not, I'm having technical difficulties with my Facebook as well. But, yeah, I'm on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter, 
And I also have a website, which is gregwrightcomicbooks.com. And you can check me out on Twitter at either Greg Henchman or Greg Wright Books. Both of those uh, link to me. The Greg Wright Books one is just comic stuff. Greg Henchman's stuff is also sometimes jokes and political crap and, you know, whatever else I feel like retweeting. Okay. Um, that kind of thing. Because we, uh, and, uh, I was going to say, if you go to History of Bad Ideas, we actually linked your Amazon uh, books to it too, as what well, uh, today on the Facebook oh, yeah, page. Yeah, you can you can grab um, the, uh, the you can grab the first Housen and the Monstrous Trade. Also, you can grab all of my comics at uh, SourcePointPress.com. Oh, can I say one other thing? I totally forgot sure. about New Wild Bulls. Can I mention that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm taking up too much time. Um, the uh, I, there's a new Wild Bulls that came out. Uh, and the setup for issues one and two, they're both available at sourcepointpress.com. Um, in the, in Wild Bull, it's, it's about a family of siblings that all grew up to become pulp adventurers. One's a monster hunter, one's a detective, one's a mad scientist, and one's like, uh, an adventurer. And, uh, they all go to their family's house for holidays, and, except they're deeply dysfunctional, so they usually <laughs> wind up having to solve a murder figure out how to not kill each other, that kind of thing. Uh, and when they each take a turn telling the story, a different artist takes over in a different style and genre. So you've got crime, sci-fi, horror, adventure, all in a pulp mashup murder mystery on Thanksgiving. And then the second one takes place at Christmas so <laughs> people can get full homicide for the holidays. If uh, that was my uh, family get-together, I would be more excited to go to. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to go check out things where, you know, uh, there's gunfire and, uh, yeah, all the different bullet uh, siblings are uh, quick on their trigger fingers, so, uh, spoiler alert, they solve all their problems with guns. <laughs> well, Greg, I appreciate it. Uh, we'll get get you back on here. Uh, again, guys, we will have all of our links at the History of Bad Ideas uh, Facebook page, and we'll also have everything on Twitter. Uh, which is where we uh, send a lot of stuff out. Everybody, please pre-order the Halston book. Pre-order it. That, that is the lifeblood. Uh, get it in. Get us into comic shops, please. Help. <laughs> we, and like I said, send me a link, and we will get you up there, Greg. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Have a good one. Thanks, yeah. Greg. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. You ever wonder when Spider-Man goes to the bathroom if the toilet paper sticks to his fingers? You ever wonder why Superman wears his underwear outside of his pants? My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. And we're your hosts for the Jock and Nerd podcast where we sometimes try to attempt to answer these questions. This is a full spoiler podcast and we swear a lot. Check it out for awesome geek news, interviews, and comic book reviews. Visit jockandnerd.com. We are your superhero TV, movies, and comic book culture curators. Boom. Jockandnerd.com. Jeff, what are you doing September 14th through 16th? I'm going to be at the Cincinnati Comic Expo. That's right. Duke Energy Convention Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hobie will be there. And Jeff. We've got our own booth. That's right. We have our own booth. We'll be playing trivia. Got a lot of great prizes to be given away, uh, including new, brand new shot glasses for the history of bad ideas. They can be yours. You just have to beat us in trivia. Yeah. Or convince us to give you on some other reason correct just be nice to us uh follow us on facebook anyways uh but hobie will be there we'll be doing podcast and we'll also be playing trivia but we're not the only ones that are going to be there just announced this week benedict wong from doctor strange avengers infinity war and kick-ass 2 jeff did you see this i did i saw the uh, release there 
I'll be honest, uh, I might go poor this year with my uh, photographs and pictures, uh, or photographs and uh, autographs. I'm not a huge autograph guy, but there's a lot of good ones this year. Uh, Carl Urban will be there, uh, just to let you know. He's in everything, Thor, uh, Judge Dredd. Uh, I think he was in a Hobbit movie, right? Yes, he was in a Hobbit movie. Well, Lord of the Rings, technically not Hobbit, but no. yes. Uh, Peter Mayhew will be there. Uh, Chewbacca. Uh, let's see. Also, Mary McDonald Lewis, who played Lady J. The voice uh, of? The voice of Lady Jane cartoon. I guess I should be more specific on that. Uh, yes. <laughs> Carrie Yules will be there from Princess Bride, as you wish. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, Summer Glau. Until we're proven wrong. That's right. Summer Glau will oh, be there. Yeah. Yes, she will. Uh, again, Manu Bennett. And Lavar Burton from Reading Rainbow and Star Trek will be there. It's in a book, so take a look. The it's Reading Rainbow. Rainbow. Also, a lot of comic book artists and creators are going to be there. Uh, it's September 14th through 16th. Cincinnati Duke Energy Convention Center. Get your tickets now and come say hi to Hobie. And that again was Greg Wright. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Greg Henchman. And uh, look at our Facebook page, The History of Bad Ideas. We'll be uh, posting a couple things uh, from his books. Uh, I do highly recommend it. I really did enjoy Monstrous a lot. And uh, I'm excited about the ongoing series. I don't get many comic books anymore, but that is actually one that I picked up the whole series. And uh, for once, I will actually give props to Dev. So thank you, Greg. We will have you back on here soon. Uh, yeah, hopefully he'll come to the Comic Expo and we could uh, have a beer with him in the green room. That would be nice. Uh, also, hopefully Skype works for him next time. He was supposed to sit in this week for the whole episode, and we apologize, but as usual, Skype is not friendly to everybody. Top This week brought to you by Skype. <laughs> Top five comedians that died too soon. Uh, this was brought up, this was actually my top five that I thought about. Uh, because uh, I was watching CNN this weekend uh, on Sunday nights, and they had uh, the History of Comedy, uh, which is a really good show. And uh, each week, it's an hour long. They talk to stand-up comedians and, well, just comedians in general, movie stars and that, and uh, writers and that, and they talk about a subject each week. I think last week was about sex and taboo subjects. Uh, next week... Uh, I forget what next week is. Dang it, I knew I was. I had this planned, but I forgot. Uh, and then this week they had comedians that died too young. So I stole it from CNN. Uh, but, yeah, thief. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but seriously, check out the history of comedy. It's a really good show. It's a good documentary. Um, so top five comedians that died too soon. They can be movie stars or stand-up comedians. So Blake, why don't you go first? Who's your number five? Sure. Uh, I'll go ahead. You know, do number five. I have a. Uh, I tried to keep everybody under the age of forty. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, because I, I sat there and I, I thought about it. and I said, "What would be a good cutoff <laughs> age? What is too soon?" I said, "All right, so younger than forty. I, I know. Unfortunately, we've had some great comic, uh, you know, comic in the movie talent." Uh, pass away unexpectedly, you know, due to various reasons other than natural death or causes. So I said, all right, but after a certain while, you're, you're good. We got enough of them. We could always get more. But who are the people that we were robbed from, robbed of early? So that's what I am starting out with. And the first one I'm starting out with um, 
is with uh, Mitch Hedberg. He uh, unfortunately passed away at the age of 37 in 2005, and I always compared. He was a very short-lived comic talent, but when he was here, you know, to uh, entertain us, I always com- I thought of him as the livelier Stephen Wright. Yeah, hmm. Mitch Hedberg was my number one. <gasps> really? Yep, took him off the board. <sighs> Definitely wow. when you're saying about too soon, because he was just getting started. Yes. He, he, yeah, I suppose, broke in later in life than a lot of other people, but he was just mm-hmm. getting started. Do you know that uh, escalators never break? They just become stairs? Yes. Exactly. That is his, probably one of his funniest lines ever. Yes, most popular. And so, yeah, this uh, his bit about the escalators and being stairs. It's pretty funny. I'm like, yeah, so I, I'm sorry I stole your number one, Jeff, but it is a very good number one. I did um, – I'll go next. Um, I did – Mitch Hedberg's a good one because it kind of went with my criteria. I didn't have an age. I went with more how much potential did we lose as a fans uh, for what they could have done in the future. That mm-hmm. was my biggest thing. Uh, with Hedberg, uh, I think he could have – it would have been interesting to see if he would have done more entertain, like mainstream entertainment or not. I don't know if he could have, like movies and TV shows. So uh, my number five uh, was from Last Comic Standing. He's been on a lot of different things. Uh, he has had guest, guest appearances. Uh, Mike DiStefano. Does anybody remember him? Mm-hmm. I do not. The name yeah. doesn't strike familiar. He was early 40s, and he was uh, basically a New Jersey, New York tough guy. But he was hilarious. Um, he had a really sad, uh, hard life, though. He was basically a junkie. Uh, he was a drug addict for a while, and he mentioned he talks about all this in his stand up. Uh, and he was a drug addict for a long time. His wife died of, I believe, a drug overdose, and uh, he became a comedian, stand up comedian, to deal with everything. And uh, he actually was diagnosed with uh, HIV uh, at one point. And um, yeah, so he nothing be up more uplifting than this here. But anyways, he was on. We I first noticed him on Last Comic Standing. And he was just – there was something about him that he came into the game a little bit later in life, but it would have been really great to have seen what he could have done. And he died, uh, I believe, of a heart attack. I'll double-check on that. Um, I saw it earlier, but I forgot. But uh, basically just from the hard life of – you know, hard life that he had. Uh, and he was just getting popular or at least more well-known uh, when he passed away. So that's my number five. Jeff? Uh, I would say, like Blake, I was putting kind of an age limit. I, I was saying no one over sixty, <laughs> but then the then the close the, the closer you got to sixty, the less likely you were going to be on the list. So, so I kind of weighed it that way. But uh, so there aren't really going to be anybody over fifty on my list, I don't think. But uh, my number five, I'm going with uh, Patrice O'Neill. Ah. Uh, uh, I, uh, he's a African American uh, stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died at the age of forty-one in uh, twenty eleven. It says, but uh, he was one that whenever I'm flipping channels and I saw a stand-up of his on, I'd always stop and listen to it. He, I, I really, I, I even can't even tell you any examples of his jokes, but I just know he was just like very conversational in his comedy. Mm-hmm. And so it was, he was one of my, my favorites there. Uh, I, 
I saw him on a couple people's list and that. I didn't realize that he was in a coma for a month before they he passed away. Yeah, mm-hmm. apparently it was like a, a diabetes-related stroke or mm-hmm. something. And they said if he ever woke up, uh, he would never be able to talk again. And I guess his girlfriend, who was with for years, said that would have just killed him anyways because he obviously was a comedian and that's what he loved. Yeah, that's unfortunate. So, uh, What's number four, Jeff? Uh, let's see. My number four is uh, John Panette. Ah. Uh, uh, help me. Uh, large... Uh, Big, large, white guy who uh, kind of like had a baby face. He was um, uh, on the last episode of Seinfeld. Okay. Oh, I, I think uh, is this the the mugger, the, mug, the guy who was mugged. victim. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he he was fifty, so maybe it wasn't too <laughs> soon. But <laughs> he was he was just getting his breakthrough. <laughs> But uh, I always, yeah, he always made me laugh. His bit about uh, <laughs> going to an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet was always one of my favorites. And uh, he also had a bit about whitewater rafting. So uh, those were hilarious if you get a chance to see those. Uh, my number four was a little bit more mainstream. Uh, I believe she was 57. And you can just say her last name, Con. Con. Madeline Con. Yes. Uh, really? She. Well, here's the thing. She. She was 57. She and was retired, wasn't she? <laughs> she was not retired. <laughs> but I, I, but I, I love Madeline Con. She's funny. I agree. <laughs> Blank. Is she retired? But anyways, <laughs> community is retired. <laughs> too, too late. Anyway, she was a lot. Fuck this. She was a lot of Mel Brooks films. I would have liked to have seen her. What she could have done later in life. Uh, I think she could have done a lot more funny uh, movies than that. Uh, she was in, uh, like I said, a lot of you know, plays and saddles, history of the world. You know, she could have been Betty White before Betty White. Correct. <laughs> Fuck you, Jim Blake. You just mocked her. <laughs> What's your number I'm four? So sorry, <laughs> my number four. My number four. I'll tell you what. You know, he passed away at the age of thirty-eight, nineteen ninety-two, due to a collision with a head-on drunk driver out in the desert, in uh, I believe in Nevada, outside of Vegas, I believe. But uh, if yeah, you know, it may have been a. I hate to say this, but that's right. In today's world, his comedy routine would not pass or stand. But no, uh, I really thought Sam Kinison was pretty funny back in the day. Okay. And unfortunately, um, it was also – it is another – it, it came during a period where he had had the run-in with Elton John. And I guess he was making amends on you know some of his humorous topics that he was using in his stand-ups. And he had been through – if you've ever watched the Sam Kinison, you know documentaries and stuff, it happened at a period of time where he was, uh, I, was I believe, cleaning up, getting sober, rejuvenating in life, getting his career jump started again, and then of course passes away, taken from everybody too soon. Okay, so I think a lot of what with Sam Kinison was though he got popular in the mainstream media was because of uh, Back to School as the teacher. But yeah. he was also the guardian angel of Al in the Christmas episode of Married with Children. That's what I remember him from. 
I don't remember that. Yes, he was. He was. Now that you bring that up, I do remember that. Yeah. You know, he, he also, Bobcat Goldthwait actually uh, accused him of stealing his bit. You know, the screaming part. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, whatever, maybe. But, but he was uh, pretty funny. Bobcat loses all uh, recognition, though, because he was in Hot to Trot. So I don't really <laughs> listen to what he says. Uh, what's your number three, Blake? Oh, uh, going to my number three, uh, at the age of 40, at my cutoff, in 1966, Lenny Bruce passed away. Ah. Probably your your original and most popular uh, shock comic uh, censorship uh, victims, you know, using uh, languages and, uh, you know, topics, you know, that were considered unsavory for public consumption. Yeah, you know, I've heard a lot about Lenny Bruce, but I can honestly say I don't think I've ever heard a joke that he's told. I I, I've actually learned – I've actually listened to a number of his stand-ups and all that kind of stuff. I think by today's standards, you wouldn't be shocked by it. But if you go back to, back to 1966, the- yeah, you're uh, persona non grata and uh, public menace number one. Okay. Uh, my number three – uh, is John Candy. Yes. And I, I was actually surprised when I was going researching this. I didn't realize he was as young as he was when he died. Yeah, and I think part of the reason he's not higher for me, I really like John Candy. I think he did not have the greatest, I did not like a lot of his films towards the end. Uh, Wagons East. Uh, oh, he he had a lot of clunkers in there. So just remember the good ones if you're trying to remember him. Correct. But yeah, he was he was 43, I think, when he passed. Mm-hmm. Which is like, oh crap, I'm older than that now. He well, with him too. Um, like I said, I Uncle Buck stands out. You know, there was a lot of you know even the Great Outdoors, which I did not like because I think a lot of it was Dan Aykroyd. I didn't like, but I like him and I liked his personality. And that was the biggest thing. Planes, trains, and automobiles. I really love that movie. Um, even though it has a depressed ending, but I, I thought, you know, something with that, that was with him. He had a big, he had a decent amount of range and, uh, that, that guy hurt when he, uh, died uh, at 43. I think he was 43 is what you said, Jeff. Yeah. I think that, and like I said, I was surprised. He, I don't know. He just felt like he was around forever and he felt to me, he felt older than that. Mm-hmm. So that was my number three. What's your number three, Jeff? Uh, my number three, she passed away at the age of 42, mm-hmm. is uh, Gilda Radner. Ah, okay. I've From Saturday always, Night Live? Yes, that's where she certainly got most famous from. And and I always found her funny. And unfortunately, illness took her away because I think she had a, a lot more to do. That was, uh, you guys got, you know, Blake's got Bruce, uh, you got Gilda. Uh, it was different too because I saw all them and I'm not doubting that, but it, I came from a different era, a little different generation, a couple years older. So I did not see them in their prime at all. Um, so with them yeah. passing away, it didn't affect me as much. Yeah, you would have to go back to like, uh, uh a lot of what Gilda did on, uh, Saturday Night Live and et cetera. I mean, that was, um, pretty funny and, and at the time in the 70s female comics i mean that was a big deal uh and also uh she was one of the people on the cnn documentary last night the uh, history of or yeah two nights ago history of comedy yeah. 
And Jeff, she was on the Gary Shandling show. That was her last appearance, yes. Mm-hmm. And she said that uh, they said that she wanted to do that, uh, but she didn't know how the crowd would react to her since she was gone for so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. Oh, no. The crowd loved it. I, yeah. I've, I've got the complete box set of It's Gary Shandling's show. And, and one of my favorite parts of that is she comes on and Gary's looking at her and he goes, well, we ha- I haven't seen you in ages. You haven't been on TV in ages. And she's like, well, I've had cancer. What's your excuse? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what. I think uh, a, a lot of Gene Wilder's, what I consider Gene Wilder's, like, reclusiveness started when Gene, when uh, Gilda passed away. It was like all of a sudden he wasn't interested in doing as much anymore. I don't blame him. Uh, what's your uh, number two, Jeff? Uh, my number two is Chris Farley. Mm, okay. I think, yeah, I think Chris Farley, everyone knows him and the stuff he's done, but I, I think it speaks for itself. But he was one that I thought, uh, yeah, he was more potential, he was just ready to even break out huge. And, but yeah, lived too fast, died too young. Uh, he is an honorable mention for me. Uh, my number two is uh, somebody I got to see uh, on this Comedy Central roast, and then he was on Tough Crowd with Colin uh, Quinn and mocked Dennis Leary, even though I love Dennis Leary. And then I started watching a lot more of his stand-up. It was uh, Greg Gerardo. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. I know who he is. Okay. I really liked him a lot. Uh, he was Harvard-educated, uh, graduated from there, was an attorney, and decided to become a stand-up comedian. Uh, he had some drug issues, too. And I believe that is what he actually passed away from was a drug overdose in a hotel room. Um, I, I think I think when I was looking at the list, I was reading on about him, and I think it said uh, prescription painkillers. Yes, that's what it was. I'm sorry. Yes. So yeah, I don't think I remember seeing him, but I have to check him out if I get the chance. His roasts are pretty damn funny. Uh, he, when he, he does, he's it. got some good jokes. Yeah. Oh, good. And he was funny on Tough Crowd. Uh, so that's my number two. Blake, what's your number two? Uh, my number one and number two were, were pretty neck and neck. Mm-hmm. So I had a really difficult time uh, with them. So I went uh, with uh, my number one defaulted to the younger of the two. My number two is uh, Andy Kaufman at age 35 in 1985. Okay. I'll tell you what, you being a wrestling fan. Oh, I know, uh, I know. You have to appreciate the great the, the thing about Andy Kaufman was you couldn't you know he had so many people fooled for such a long time you know in regards to his bits and uh, people were actually took him seriously and he was so good at it that people didn't know if it was real or if it was Andy Kaufman pulling another joke so when he actually passed away there were a number of people that thought this was just another Andy Kaufman bit that he was faking having the illness and being sick and when you are that good you know to even mm-hmm. when you really pass away people don't know if you actually <laughs> did i mean he in the age of performance artistry and comedy i think this guy uh, he's only number two because he's two years younger. You know, he passed away two years older than my number one. Who's your number one? My number one is uh, John Belushi. I he, figured. Uh, I I knew he passed away early, but I didn't know it was thirty three years young. Ouch! When you think about that, holy crap! So that means 
you know, his time on uh, the original cast of Saturday Night Live and all that kind of fun stuff is uh, pretty crazy to think that he was doing that in his mid twenties. I mean, mm. he was that young to get started, and of course was you know having some very good successes. Uh, some people may or may not agree with his movie. I mean, when he, he was in his mid to late twenties when he had Saturday Night Live, and that's when comedians that knew him and was with him and performed with him and even knew him from SNL said that was his later stuff. I mean, his his even earlier years was he he was even better. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's insane to think uh, what another forty years could have been for this guy. Uh, my number one uh, is one that really sucks for me because he was amazing in everything. Uh, and if people listen to the show for a while; they should no, have no surprise. Phil Hartman, love mm-hmm. Phil Hartman. Yep, that yeah. one hurt. I I knew he'd be on your list. And you know what? I I feel like um, you know professionally my my career is the same way we're you know we're masters of impressions both of us oh, um, God. <laughs> <laughs> when people talk to me they go you're very phil hartman like and i was like well thank you you know that is a great honor to be called that so um some people just want to watch a little bone but yes phil hartman uh was killed by his wife um uh, it was a murder suicide and he was actually on news radio at the time and that she she had some mental issues too. Yes. I mean, that was part of the reasons behind that. Yeah, yeah. She had, there was some major issues, um, and it also I think was the final blow to news radio. One of my favorite uh, sitcoms. Once he left, there the heart of that show was gone. So and John Lovitz couldn't fill that. So why couldn't I have been oh. Lovett? Uh, yeah. Anyways. Why didn't Mrs. Hartman kill John Lovett? <laughs> uh, what's your number hey one? Now. And what was your number one? Uh, Mitch Hedberg. Okay. Anybody have honorable mentions? No, but I did make an interesting observation, which is very unfortunate. The the common theme that runs through all of these talents, I would say 95% of these talents, they're all drug addicted. They're they're all drug related. It's amazing the number of comedic talent – that these that these men and women had, you know, uh, and for the most part, it's, it seems to be all related to drug addictions. Now there are a few exceptions in, in regards to, you know, Parkinson's and, and diabetes and, and cancer and stuff. But it is like drugs, 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 drugs. I'm like, wow. I think did you, did you find that interesting? I or, I, or? I kind of figured figured it was kind of like um, they were on the road all the time. They're probably probably not eating the healthiest. They got a lot of vices to cope with everything. Um, you know, yeah. comedians in general, stand-up comedians are mostly are have some type of tortured past or something in their psyche. So I think they always go to whatever vice. So that's why I, I'm not surprised by it. But it is a little interesting to see a lot of them were from drug overdoses mm-hmm. or alcohol. Yeah, well, alcohol is a drug. Correct. Yeah, correct. Well, that, that's the thing, especially the ones that you know that actually died too soon. Chances are, they died. Drugs is a big reason on why younger people do die. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Jeff, you have any honorable mentions? Um, I, I think Belushi I had as an honorable mention. I had John Ritter. Yeah, I've considered him because I am a big fan of John Ritter, but he was 54 when he passed away. Correct. Now, granted, he could have had another 20 to 30 years. 
Well, but uh, like I like I said, I try. I wanted to go with more of the shock value of losing people young. You know. Well, on the show, not to go back to it, but the CNN one, uh, History of Comedy, they said they were interviewing people like Don Rickles. That really shocked me. He was eighty-eight. What? Yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> They're like. Well, he still had years left in him. He had a lot of good years. Let's give him some breaks uh, here. <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I saw like George Carlin's name. Yes, and it's like, well, yeah, it sucks that he died, but too too young. Uh, he he had a great life, a great career, uh, and so yeah. So here we go. We got some listener feedback here. Uh, Hop Nation yeah. USA uh, at Hop Nation USA on Twitter had Patrice O'Neill. Mitch had. Hey, that was my number five. Yeah, that was my number one. I like this choice. And he said, uh, unle- uh, end of list, uh, end of his list. Uh, Kevin at Cincy Explorer that, had. He had two. That's all he had. Yeah. He said, and they both list. made my. I like him already. Uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin at Cincy Explorer had. Uh, damn, this was a tough one. Number five, Andy Kaufman. Uh, number four, Gilda Radner. Three, Chris Farley. Two John Belushi and number one, which I saw on some people's list, Robin Williams. Yeah, I, like I said, uh, he was a great loss, but he had a lot of good years too. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, his portfolio was, was pretty wide. Yeah. Oh, you know his documentary on HBO is really good. By the way, if you had a chance to see it yet, I have not. I've heard about it though. I heard it was really good. Yeah, you should watch it. Uh, he also had honorable mentions of John Candy. Phil Hartman, Sam Kinison, yeah. uh, John Ritter, Khan, and Bernie Mac. Yeah. I forgot about Bernie Mac. Uh, let's see here. Uh, our intern, Brian, had John Candy, uh, John Belushi. Well, he just put Belushi. Unfortunately, I don't think it's Jim Belushi. Yeah, Jim is still alive, so I don't think he really? fits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jim's Jim's. T- he may be retired or not working as much as he wants to, but he's still there. He's like Khan. Uh, <laughs> Sam Kinison, Mitch Hedberg, and Chris Farley. Honorable mentions, Phil Hartman, uh, John Panetta. I think that was yours, wasn't it, J- uh, Jeff? Yep. yep. And Bill Hicks. Mm-hmm. I saw Bill Hicks' name a lot on some of these lists, and I'm like, I don't know who he is. Uh, fun fact on comedies, uh, Kevin at Cincy Explorer said, did you know that uh, Blazing Saddles was nominated for three Academy Awards? There you go. There's I, a fun fact. Yeah, fun. Yay, fun. Uh, fun fact. Yeah, that's right. Dev had Mitch Hedberg, John Candy, uh, John Belushi, Chris Farley, and Phil Hartman. He hobied that shit. And mm-hmm. number one, he hobied it too, uh, Greg Gerardo and Robin Williams. Uh, Chris Richardson from Over the Seas over at 365 Flixin. G'day, lovely England. He had, Hello, Vic- he had uh, Victoria Wood, uh, John Candy, Bernie Mac, uh, Caroline Ahern, and Rick Mayle. Mayle, M-A-Y-A-L-L. Oh, yes, yeah. Some sometimes being uh, you know dirty Yankees over here, we get focused on our own, mm-hmm. you know, comedians or anything. So we we forget about our wonderful British cousins from uh, Europa. Well, the the yes. clip that they showed uh, on that show on the history of comedy, Blake, was the one that you've talked about before with the Monty Python cast coming out with the uh, urn of Graham, <laughs> Graham's yeah. urn, and they knock it over. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yes. it still makes me laugh. Uh, 
Sean Coon had a Pittsburgh nerd uh, had Bernie Mac. Uh, Richard Jenny, I forgot about him. Uh, Greg Gerardo, Sam Kinison, and Phil Hartman. Uh, Joe Keating, he had Chris Farley, John Candy, John Belushi, Greg Gerardo, and Mitch Hedberg. I see a sense of uh, same people in these. Yeah. And the Dit Man's wife. Your Dit Man's wife. Your radio partner had Joan Rivers, John Ritter, Chris Farley, John Candy, and finally Robin Williams. So. So uh, too young for her means ninety under eighty. <laughs> <laughs> Joan Rivers was like eighty something. Oh yeah, good. Point. How old was Joan? I'm gonna look that one up. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, that is our top five this week. Yes, uh, eighty-one. Joan Rivers was eighty-one. I actually Died thought she was young. older. Thought she was That's older. It. Yeah, officially eighty-one when she died. Uh, yeah. We will be but, back. But oh, sorry. To wrap up the to wrap up the comedies, another good documentary and. and you know, I, I'm surprised Andy Kaufman wasn't on as many people's lists. It was a little bit before my time. Is, are we a little demographic? Is that what it is? The demographics I'll, could be. I'll put it. And to me, Andy Kaufman wasn't laugh out loud funny. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of why, you know, I don't really think of him. It's like as one of my favorite comedians type thing. It's yeah. like he did some bits that, you know you had to think about and were great, but they didn't make me just laugh. That's true. I, I can see that. But if, if people are out there and you got the time killer, go to Netflix or whatever, watch the Andy Kaufman documentary about Andy. It's pretty uh, wild. Although uh, his, his uh, mighty mouse bit um, was that Saturday night live. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it, it's one that like is so awkward. Mm. That and goes on for much too long, and that's what makes it great. After a while, you just are laughing just because it's just going on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So, that is our top five this week. We want to say thank you to Greg Wright uh, from Monstrous and Source Point Press, uh, Holliston, Last Monster Standing, Wild Bullets. Go bit, pick them up. And he may be at the Cincinnati Comic Expo. I know not many people want to come to Cincinnati, but a lot of people do want to come to the Cincinnati Comic Expo. So please uh, take a look. Uh, Also, next week we'll be back in the studios. uh, So we get to see each other's faces again, guys. Yay. Maybe. I don't know. So Roger says goodbye. Goodbye. No bad idea? <laughs> nope, I guess we forgot. <laughs> we forgot the bad idea. <laughs> okay, so ready for addendum here real quick? <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't have a pen, so I have nothing written down. Okay, uh, I do. So, since I'm the only one that had a pen and wrote one down here. Yes. I had, I, I, I had four. Okay. Uh, names of the title. He drew the apple. Uh, from okay. the guy that drew yeah, the apple, yeah. apples, yeah, apples. I got it. Uh, a monstrous episode. I would say I that see fits. You, you see, because I see a monstrous. You, I see what you're doing there. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. Skype is a monster and annoying. 
Skype is a monster. Uh, and uh, actually, I only had three. Sorry. And this is my other one because I can't read what I wrote. Uh, <laughs> the other one is the Woo Lady. Woo! So, uh, nothing yeah. about pajamas. I thought there was going to be some pajama references. Now with oh. pajamas. Now with pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Done. But can can I add can I add a little bit more about the woo lady that's in the front? Sure. She was she was kind of dressed as a Viking mm-hmm. with a corset and <laughs> and it just was you know so uh, yeah just use your own. You know, you can, you can you can fill in your own visuals there. But she so. wooed. She did a lot of drunk woos. Woo! Yeah, exactly. The drunken woo lady. Drunken woo lady. <laughs> okay, so what's her title? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I have nothing written down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going like monstru- I'm going on a monstrous episode. Or now with pajamas. I like now with pajamas. Either are fine with me. I'm going with now with pajamas. You've been listening to Hobie.